Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Mark chapter 10, verse 42. In the New Living Translation, it says, So Jesus called them together, them being the disciples, and said, You know that the rulers in this world, Lord, it over their people. They lord over their people, essentially. And, and, and that's what he's trying to tell the disciples. He's saying to them, in this world, even back then when Jesus was alive, they absurd authority over people. They have an ego. And, and, and he says, officials flaunt their authority. And there are people who want titles, and they will try to exercise that authority that's been given to them over those under them. So there's abuse of power and there's just this pride and ego. And, and he says to them, verse 43, but among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. That's a very strong word, but it identifies the position of someone who has no ulterior motive, has no other gain except to serve. Just narrows it down. For even the Son of Man, who is referring to himself, Jesus recalled or called the Son of Man in many occasions in the Scripture. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. What a, what a value, what a, a sense of direction for the disciples to have before they're going to go into the world and change the world. He's simply telling all of them, if you think that getting a title or a position in working for me and using that as leverage, you think that's going to work. You're sadly mistaken. How is it going to work in my kingdom if you want my help? How it's going to work working for me is that you have to have a lowly disposition in your heart and understand that people aren't there to serve you. You're there to serve them. That's the rule, I think, for every organization, business, corporation, home, ministry, whatever it might be. I believe this is the key attribute that makes you go from okay to good to great. Greatness requires humility. I've always told pastors this and ministers this. The key word in ministry is the four first letters. Many. Small. Everything must allow God to overshadow it in order for God to use it because God wants the credit for everything. All we are is stewards of his goodness, his abilities he's blessed us with. And at the end of the day, all that matters is, is that we are internally able to live with him forever and ever and ever 
because of what he did for us. We have a reward. And everything we see now doesn't matter. All that matters is, is if we understand why we're here, why we do it, and who we do it for. How many of you believe in heaven? Your work and labor isn't in vain. We have a reward. But here's the secret to seeing God move. It's going to be taught today. So if you will, will you set the tone for the rest of this service? Stretch out your hands and, and by faith, just, just set the tone and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just release my mind right now to receive. Let my heart be a recipient, God, of knowledge and wisdom and understanding. And Lord, anoint this atmosphere. God, let, let there be help today in this atmosphere that will just shift the faith of many people, including myself. Let, let people receive direction today. Let everyone here in this building just be lifted up, encouraged, edified, strengthened, and walk out with a skip in their step. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody say amen. Now give God a hand clap. Come on, somebody tell them thank you. Thank you. We're going to be talking about the serving Savior. Turn to your neighbor and tell them Jesus came to serve. And you can be seated. God bless you. Thank you for standing and worshiping and giving and serving and all that you do. It takes all of us. I want to encourage all of you as well that, that don't wait till we get to the new building to start to do something. Start now. Because when we get there, we're hitting the ground running, and we're moving. And I told First Church, there's a lot of people, sadly enough, but it's true, there's a lot of people right now going, is it built yet? Are they done? I mean, I like the music and everything, but I like church buildings, Right? Get involved now. My father came and along with my uncle, and they built, uh, at that time, was one of the biggest buildings in Victoria called Riverside Convention Center. It started off as Riverside Flea Market, I believe. And it was an airplane hangar. It was about 22,000 square feet or so. And we're fixing to build a building bigger than that or the same size. And it's funny how the people that we served in that building and that went to the concerts and went to the dances are now coming to this house to worship Jesus and dance with him. I think it's amazing how God does it, but it's all done with the heart of servanthood. Um, it's funny because we used to serve alcohol and beer. Now we serve Jesus and deliverance and healing and salvation and, and it's free. No cover charge. I believe that Everyone desires to be a leader and really do believe that that has been great to a certain extent, but then it's also been uh, a problem because everyone wants to lead, but no one wants to serve now. Everyone's reading about leadership, uh, but no one is reading about servanthood and and, it, and, it, and I think there's leaders out there that have a good mixture of both and have a good understanding 
of, of leadership, like one of my favorite authors, uh, one of them is John Maxwell. Some of you love reading his material, have read his material. I read it periodically. I listen to his audiobooks quite often when I'm exercising or whatever I'm doing. And, and I love to read and hear and listen and hear from people that have been there, done that, and are making an impact in the world. And, and I, went to, I went to look for books on leadership from Amazon, and I typed in leadership, and John Maxwell's books come up. And he's been a best-selling author for, you know, for years, and he started his first book and wrote it in 1993 on leadership. He's wrote many books, but that was the first one, and that sold over a million copies. And he's done a number, number of uh, uh, just different writings on perspective from the 21 Infutable Laws to how to, you know, just how to be a great leader, Leadership 101. And, you know, there's so many titles and so many books. But what's funny is, is that when I typed in leadership, that numbers, a number of books have been written. But when I typed in serving, uh, nothing but cookbooks came up. <laughs> how to serve the best enchiladas. I mean, how to serve the best barbecue. How to Everyone wants to lead, but no one wants to serve. We're serving the wrong thing. We've got it down when it comes to leadership, but the problem is not very many people are given the position of leadership because it takes servanthood to get there. Serving is the way to get to the top. Serving is the way to accomplish what God's called you to do. Some of John Maxwell's quotes from his books are, when the leader lacks confidence, the followers lack commitment. Great quote. A leader is great not because of his or her power, but because of his or her ability to empower others, which is true. But here's one that grabbed a hold of me. The boss drives his workers. The leader coaches them. The boss depends on authority, but the leader on goodwill. The boss inspires fear. The leader inspires enthusiasm. The boss says, I, the leader says, we. The boss fixes the blame for the, for the breakdown. The leader fixes the breakdown. The boss knows how it is done. The leader shows how it is done. And the boss says, go, and the leader says, let's go. Jesus was a let's go kind of man. Jesus was the one who showed us how to do it. So there was a survey done, and in this survey, it showed that at least, at least 86% of the people in America, in the corporate world, still believe that their growth and their success is based on talent, and knowledge. But there is a small percentage of 13% that believe that excellence is found in the ability to serve. Just a small percentage. Everybody wants to lead, but no one wants to serve. Now, I'm not an expert I don't know everything, but 
in the almost 50 years that I have lived on this earth and 20 years of marriage, 27 years of being a parent, and 20 years of ministering from a laity to a pastor, I do know this. People forget what they read, they forget what they hear, but they always remember what they see. Always. They'll always remember what they see. It's the same way with our kids, our children, our grandchildren. They'll remember what you did, not what you say. And good teachers, great teachers understand this principle. Great leaders understand this principle. So many times that when you look at the greatest teacher there ever was and greatest leader there ever was, he led by example, and that leader was Jesus Christ. Not to say that even the greatest leader that ever existed in this world didn't have failures. I didn't say he was a failure. I said he, he had failures like Judas. In fact, all the 12, they all left him at one point. What's unique about Judas Iscariot's position is that Judas was called to be the treasurer to handle the money, but the scripture confirms and says out of John that he was a thief. Which tells me and lets me know Jesus knew about it. He didn't get past him, but Jesus gave him a chance anyways. And that's the way he is, and that's the way we should be. We give people chances not based on who they are, but what they can be. And people will fail. And people will fall. But our successes aren't based on the failures of other people. It's based on how much and how effective we are at serving. How much of our life that we give. Because despite the small percentage, your life will impact somebody one day that will catch it and that will run with it and change the world. It happened to Jesus. One out of 11, aren't, one out of 12 isn't bad. And the 11 plus another one later added 12, they went and they changed the world and turned it upside down is what the scripture says in the book of Acts. But it came through a man who said, I, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. Point number one, and I want to give you this one of the attributes that Jesus had is that he was humble. In order to be effective and understand the secret of serving and succeeding, it requires humility. And you can't talk about being humble because anyone who talks about humility isn't humble. <laughs> right? It, it, just, it just doesn't make sense. It's an oxymoron. It just contradicts everything when we have to confess our titles our positions so much it just proves that we really don't feel that way anyone who goes around strutting their title around really doesn't feel the position in their heart confidence comes by experience it doesn't matter how many degrees you have in the back of your name without experience all of that knowledge means nothing Jesus proved it he was the son of God. He came into this world. 
and had the greatest name. In fact, the apostles in their writings confirmed this and said that he was given a name that was above every name. Jesus said himself, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me by the Father, by Matthew, by Mark, by John, every one of them, Luke. They all confirmed that all authority had been given to Jesus, but a man with that much authority, think about this, that's a lot of authority. There are people who know how to handle authority, and there are people who don't. Because you can't give too much authority to somebody with lacks, that lacks experience, that lacks failure. You have to fail in order to be trusted sometimes to know how to handle what it means to succeed and do well. There is this period of beginnings, everything great, soft, rough, small. And if you're not willing to sacrifice during that period before you get to your destination, when you get to your destination, you'll lack character and lack the ability to keep your position. This is why God many times allows us to go through testings. He allows us to experience things not to keep us down, but to make sure that when we do get to where he's called us to be, that we stay up. That we stay up. And he showed this. Let me read you this. John 13, chapter, uh, verse 1. Listen to this. Before the Passover, this is what Jesus wanted to give them. Jesus had humility and he showed it. And before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that the hour, his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. This is love now. Love is what's happening here. And I want you to keep in mind, this is the last thing he did before he left this world. The last moment with his disciples. If you knew you had one moment left to share with your children or your family, what would you do or what would you say? Just one hour. Let's see what Jesus did. And so it says, and it was time for supper and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything that had come from God and would return to to God. So he had confidence. He could at that moment curse Judas, but he didn't do it. He let it happen because it was going to be a tool that hell would use to bring Jesus to the cross that will set us free. So anytime the devil throws something at you, I'm going to tell you it's coming back and it works out for our good. And so here's what happened. And so he got up from the table, Jesus. He took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist. This is the last moment of his life before he goes to the crucifixion now. And he puts a towel around his waist and poured water in a basin. Recognize he didn't ask somebody to get the water a basin for to get the water. He didn't ask someone to command them to do this and do that and try to assert his authority. He had the authority to do this. He had already proven his ministry to all 12 of them. They would have easily had done it. 
but he did it out of example. And he said, watch this. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with towels, with the towel that he had around him. Now, I don't know if you were raised in a church that actually practiced foot washing. It exists. It's out there. People are still doing it, in fact. They're taking this scripture literally and trying to do and say that Jesus said to do this, and that wasn't the example. The actual example was the act of servanthood and humility. While some people are still washing feet. I don't know if you've ever experienced that before in your life. I have. It is the worst thing to get somebody with funky feet. <laughs> it doesn't take care of their toes. And then, nonetheless, transfer it over to your towel, the only towel you had, and dry them. And not just do one, but 12 more sets of patas that just... H-E-B feet all day long, all day. Gee, see, that was a type, if you really want to look at a modern-day foot washing now, it'd be like washing someone's shoes, washing their car, acts of service, you know, things that they didn't have to do on their own, cleaning their house, whatever it might be. That, that's an act of service, serving in ministry, doing what Jesus did, taking time, taking talent, and taking treasure, and dispersing that, and sowing it into somebody's life. Jesus did all three. But there's a conflict of interest here, even from his among his own 12. Because when he did this, Jesus came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, why are you washing, why, Lord, you're going to wash my feet? I'm not going to let you wash my feet. Jesus replied, you don't understand. Now, what I am doing, but someday you will. That's like a father trying to teach her child, but son, you don't understand this now, but later on you will. That's what he says right before he gets the chancla. You don't understand it now, but later you will. Nobody grew up with the belt. Did your daddy ever? I, I don't remember much about my daddy, but I remember that. It was on after I heard the pop, pop. One time I remember getting a spanking from my dad. I remember a lot of things, but I remember that. There's a lot of times that the disciples were going to be in an emotional upheaval at times through the persecution they went through from Rome, from the Jewish nation. But there were going to have to be memories that they had of Jesus that they would have to reflect on and grab a hold of to keep them stable. And, and that the one thing Jesus wanted to leave an imprint of in their mind was the spirit of servanthood. Because that's what's going to carry. That is exactly what they were going to need to impact the world. It's a secret that he gave them. It's the last thing that he gave them as an example in his life before he, his crucifixion. Think about that for one moment. That's how important it was to him. 
And so, anyways, he said to Peter, no, Peter protested, you will never ever wash, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me, Peter. Simon Peter exclaimed, well, in that case, not just my hands and head as well, not just my feet, then wash everything. You know, okay, you win, wash me. Everything, Shh. hands and head are fine. You know, just the thought that he had for a moment, I don't want you to take care of me until Jesus hit him with the, if you don't let me do this, you're not going to have any part with me in the future. Because in the future, you're going to have more than a dirty feet. You're going to have a dirty soul. And I'm going to have to forgive you, and I'm going to have to give you mercy and get the dirt off of you so you can continue to do what I called you to do. And that was the key. Even now, if you think about this, even now, how many of you this past week asked God to forgive you of something? Raise your hand. I think everybody's hand should be raised. If you haven't, you've died, went to heaven, and came back today. That's just all there is to it. There's not one perfect person in this house. All I know is, is that every one of us need him to wash us and to cleanse us. We have been some places sometimes we shouldn't have been, and sometimes, okay, right? I mean, you've been there, you can't hide it, but you got to make it right. And before you do anything else, you have to make sure that you have to put it under the blood, as it were. See, when we say put something under the blood, what it means is, in church jargon, it really means we've asked God to forgive us, and by faith, God washes us with that sacrifice that was given over 2,000 years ago on that old rugged cross. That one drop was enough for the whole world to be redeemed and forgiven and to be washed by faith. And all you've got to say is, Jesus, I'm sorry, forgive me, and it's done. Because you can't move on any further without it. And guess what? Even in all of the glory and all of his majesty and all of his position as king right now, he still serves us by washing us. Amen. He's still serving. Think about that. We don't think about that too many times. He is still serving us, making intercession with us as well for us through prayer. In order to be effective, you have to be willing to get rid of your pride and your ego and learn how to serve and take off your garment of your identity like Jesus did. Take off whatever everyone perceives you by because we dress the part really well we look the part really well but at some point in our lives we have to remove the mask remove the attire if it were and just be true and be honest with God and begin to be real with people and begin to love people genuinely with no strings attached serving giving our best without any idea or preconceived idea of anything in return because that is what God blesses but here's the good news whether we want it or not 
the law of the harvest is still in play. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. It will come back to you. It will come back to you. Point number two, and this is what we're going to segue into, is that Jesus showed us the power of giving. Because of that disposition, because of his characteristic of being humble, he was able to give without restraint or without judgment. When our humanity many times will judge someone to see if they even qualify for our goodness. Well, I'm not going to help them with any money. Nombre, they go kick it up every week. Huh? Don't help them. They play the lottery. Mm-mm. I'm not going to give them a ride. They have no gas money. You notice I'm just picking on Latinos right now? <laughs> it's the only accent I can do. <laughs> I will. There, there, there are limitations that we put on people based on qualifications that we feel like, you know, are, there, there are standards. When God said, to love our enemies as ourselves and pray for them and do kindness unto them, our enemies. Keep in mind, when that's why he looked at Judas and called him a friend when he said, you're going to betray me with a kiss, friend. He didn't say, you're going to betray me with a kiss, tonto. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Right? He said, friend. Friend. Humble. Loving. Approachable. Jesus showed us the power of giving. He never left anything undone. When he had the ability to heal people, he healed them all. Look at this real quick. And you can take a picture of this or you can make note of it in your syllabus. That's what the syllabus is for, for you to make reference. Write the scriptures down and just go home and do the own study on them. But Jesus served people and served us and served the world by healing the sick. And this chapter right here in the book of Luke, in that fourth chapter, you're, you're going to read how Jesus, when he came and they brought all the sick, the scripture says he didn't just select a few. He healed them all. He healed every single one of them. Jesus served by feeding the hungry. Jesus took what little he had, him and the twelve now, they took a little boy's lunch, two fishes and five loaves. Wow. Does that, that, I mean, that's equivalent to five skinny sandwiches. I don't know how big the bread was. It may have been a taco. Maybe they called tortillas bread. I don't know, but they was small. Couldn't have fed all of them, not even half the disciples. Jesus said, Tell everybody to sit down. See, now he had a purpose. And he was going to take his authority and his power for good. Not to show off, but to meet a need. Because servants meet needs. That's what makes a good business owner, by the way. Good business owners are people who have found out how to solve certain problems. And the problems they have learned how to solve, they become good servants in that area. So they learn how to have good customer what? Customer service, servanthood. That's what makes a great business. But what makes a great Christian is seeing a need 
and not waiting for somebody else to come by to meet it because we're afraid of commitment. When Jesus said he wants us to be the Samaritan and take a chance, and if you've got to pay a little extra to see the need met, then he'll repay when he comes back. Some of y'all catch that later. But God will take the need. God will. Listen, when you are meeting a need that pleases God, God will help provide for that need. I believe that by faith. I believe by faith when you step up to do God's service by loving people, helping people in the area God called you to serve in, God will anoint you, God will equip you, and God will empower you. This was required. Listen to this. Jesus served by teaching people. He gave them his knowledge. He gave them knowledge. A lot of people are afraid to give their knowledge. Can I tell you, if you do not give your experience, your wisdom, and your knowledge, you are going to limit yourself in growth. Because knowledge and wisdom works the same as money. It doesn't grow unless you invest it. Because here's how it works. When you give it out, your secrets, your so-called secrets, like I'm not going to give that recipe out. That was my mom's. My mom made the best dressing. I think she did. My mom wouldn't give it up for years. It was a secret. One day my daughters talked her into doing a documentary. So my daughters filmed her making this dressing. Now it's on the YouTube channel for our private YouTube channel for our family. Now the whole family has the dressing. But here's the problem. Mama gave the recipe, but she's not here to do it. So it requires us doing it, and it takes time and experience to get it down. No matter how accurate you are, it requires some expertise and knowing how to do it. Jesus told the disciples, go out, heal the sick. And he sent them out there with power before he sent them out in the book of Acts. Prior to their being sent as apostles, they had to go through a training process as disciples. The reason for this is because when you teach somebody, you have to be able to teach and you reach people. You can't speak out of knowledge. You have to speak out of experience. And experience, no matter how many degrees you have behind your name or before your name, Without experience, it doesn't mean anything. You can read 100 books with zero experience. You're as good as a library. That's it. Jesus taught out of experience. Jesus taught out of going through the process, and which leads to the next one. He loved us by discipling the twelve. Discipling means he trained them, not just taught them. He actually trained them. He took time with them. He sent them out. He let them pray for the demon-possessed. At one point, he went up to the mountain. He took three disciples with him, Peter, James, John, up to the mountain called Transfiguration. And while down on the base of the mountain, the other disciples are trying to cast out a devil. Right? 
Shuka, shuka, harabaka, Right? <laughs> Chanclas and everything. Right? They, they couldn't do it. They couldn't cast the demon out. Because they were trying to do something that they had only saw without the experience. So Jesus had to disciple them. And he came down and showed them how to do it. He didn't strain. He didn't do anything. He showed them how to do it. That was their education. What we were looking at in the gospel so many times wasn't a moment where Jesus was trying to pick on the disciples. He was trying to teach them. And what was going to be the outcome? Here was the outcome. Because he discipled the 12 and taught them and trained them, those 12 were going to go out and change the world. That's why Jesus loved us through serving and discipling the 12. Jesus loved us by praying for everyone. He loved us through foot washings. He showed us the ultimate and the epitome of serving at that time. He loved us through fighting devils by performing miracles and say to the storm to be still. Peace. Be still. Jesus showed us all of these things. It took him 30 years, though, to get to that place. Think about that now. 30 years to get to a place. And his ministry lasted for three years. And here we are wanting to get someplace super fast and bypass the process. It took Jesus 30 years. The greatest leader there ever was took 30 years to prepare himself. And experience things and learn how to pray and learn how to teach and learn how to. I'm telling you, he had to grow. The scripture says he grew in favor with God and men. He had to learn how to work with people. And that's the key. Some of us know how to serve God really well. We just don't know how to serve people very well. When God uses people to bless us. And network us and uses us to bless other people and reach other people. You gotta give yourself away. That's what life is about. Life is about pouring yourself out, transferring everything you know to someone else so they can go change the world without worrying about whether or not you get the credit for it. Because the outcome is in God's hands. But that's what keeps you healthy and strong and vibrant and, and prosperous in your life. Because servanthood, it's just naturally, natural for you to give. And to give what you have. It doesn't matter how much you have. It doesn't matter how much you have. Two fishes, five, it doesn't matter how much you have. As long as you're willing, God will bless it and multiply, and you can affect hundreds and thousands of people in your life. It is possible. It is possible to be that much of an influencer for good. But many times we want to preach to people. We want to teach them before we ever serve them. Serving must be first, and that will lead to greater things. It will lead to greater things. Let me show you. Proverbs 11. Write this down. Proverbs 11, 23. Are you with me this Sunday morning? Come on, if you're with me, just give God a hand clap and tell him, thank you, Lord. I, I'm listening. I, I, I'm, I'm writing these things down. Proverbs 11:23 23 says, 
The godly can look forward to a reward, while the wicked can expect only judgment. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. 25, watch this. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Did you catch that? We're nothing more than a channel of God's blessings in our life. What goes to others has to come through us because we go to God. So when Jesus was ministering to people, here's case Here's the case in point. You ready? When Jesus was ministering to the woman at the well, the disciples went to get food, and then he stayed at the well and ministered to a lady. And you know the story. The woman of Samaria had broken relationships. He ministered to her. He served her. He taught her. He encouraged her. He ministered to her in a way that no one had ever talked to her before. In fact, so much, she went into town and told everybody, come see a man who told me everything about me. What was happening in that moment? I'll tell you what was happening. Here's what was going on. When the disciples came back with food, Jesus said, no, thank you. I'm, I'm good. I'm full. And they all looked around and said, okay, man, who, who gave him, like, who, who, who did that? Who ate? We went to town for nothing. You, you guys went and gave him food, and that, what, why did we even go in town? Jesus said, I have meat to eat you know not of. He that refreshes others will himself get refreshed. What you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. That's the way it works. Servanthood is the key attribute to getting to you to fulfill the will of God for your life. But once you stop serving, you cut yourself off. Once you stop using your gifts and ability for God and for others, you only hurt yourself. I want to read you some of these right here. Look at these names right here. Look at these ministries. There's a reason why these men had to serve other men. Because I'll give you the principle. Elisha wasn't serving really Elijah. He was serving really the God of Elijah. Elijah was just a vessel. In fact, he told Elisha, he said, okay, Elisha, you want a double portion of my spirit, then keep your eyes on me. What that meant was be attentive to me and my needs and serve. And when you see me go, if you see me go, he didn't give him a time. He didn't give him a place. He just said, if when you see me go and you catch my garment, then you'll be able to. To have double what I've got. You got to keep your eyes. It's not the person you're serving. When you give to this ministry, you're not giving to Pastor Bobby. You're giving to the God who called you here that has the vision and the assignment given to us. 
you are just so gracious to honor us like you did last week. It was, it, it just, you guys are so kind, and we appreciate, I love the cards you guys gave us, and I read them all and, and just looked at the heartfelt just appreciation. That that that's, means everything to us. But but keep in mind, that's so healthy for you. But in essence, you're serving the anointing and the God who put his spirit on this church. And he wants you to serve him wholeheartedly because he has an assignment for all of us. And there are thousands of people still in this city who don't know Jesus in the surrounding counties who have never experienced his spirit who have never been to the cross who have never been to a watery grave and water baptized who have never experienced the power of the Holy Ghost in their life that God is going to use nothing more nothing less than servanthood servinghood listen jo Moses didn't need Joshua Joshua needed Moses because what he would be to Moses Joshua would have someone be the same thing to him you will reap what you sow for those that you serve under you will reap what you sow I'm going to show you this even if you don't agree and you feel like there's character flaws in your boss's life Whoever it is, your professor, for those in college, Samuel still served Eli. Read the story of Eli. Wasn't the straightest dad. He didn't, couldn't raise his own children right. Yet God still blessed Samuel because Samuel had a great spirit, a spirit of servanthood. Even when he thought Eli was calling him in the middle of the night, he went and said, your servant is here, speak. You want to know why the, the, the scripture speaks of the mercies of David? I'll tell you why. Because David served Saul and he knew even when Saul was trying to kill him, David had mercy on Saul and didn't kill him when he had the chance. Therefore, I believe with all of my heart, even though David was a great warrior and shed much blood, God still had great mercy on his soul because he gave great mercy to the king. David needed Saul in his life. Saul didn't need David more than David needed Saul. And the disciples served Jesus because how they served him would determine how effective they were to see in their ministries excel. Servanthood is your avenue and your on-ramp. It is your gateway to seeing God do great things in your life. If you're content just with the schedule, if you're content just to go through the same routine and just to be happy and satisfied and watch TV all day long and be on the Internet all day long and watch those videos all day long, if that's what you want to do and that's what life is all about for you, then more power to you. That's between you and God. But if you're saved... And if you've been born again and you feel a sense of purpose in your life to see the world change and you want to see your children saved and you want to see your marriage strong, if you want to see your family strong, 
if you want to see the area of influence in your area change, it doesn't have to always be the way it is. Things can change when you let God change you. Because through your service, through your love, through your compassion, through your acts of kindness, through your goodness in your life, you're going to let God use you to make an impact on somebody and God will bless it. But it isn't just going to happen. It isn't just going to happen. It doesn't just happen, folks. It requires us serving. It requires us acting. God has given us everything to work with, but it requires us. How many of you remember the story I told last week about the preacher and the farmer? Raise your hand. Okay. How many of you would like to hear that story again? Raise your hand. Okay. Okay. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Come on, Haley. So the preacher went to the farmer's property, and when we went to the farmer's property, he looked at everything he had. He looked at his crops. They were golden. They were fruitful. He looked at how they were organized and how they were structured, the property, the herds, the cattle, the goats, the chickens, the eggs, everything, the pigs. He was like, wow. He was so impressed. And so he went to the farmer, the preacher did, went to the farmer and he said, he said, wow, he said, I, I'm just, God has really blessed you. God has done a great thing here. And the farmer was very kind and he just was very quiet. And he said, yeah, you're, he sure has. God has blessed me. But you, just, you should have seen it when he had it all to himself. In other words, we have to work with God. God gave him everything. But it required his service. Maybe it was going to be what it was destined to be. You can't sit there and wait for everything to evolve around you. You have to take action through service and see things change. And God will bless it. You can't look at everybody's yard and say, I wish I had grass as green as theirs. You can have green grass too if you knew the secret. All it is is fertilizer, watering, cutting, manicuring, and sweat. You can have green grass too, but you got to serve. You have to act. See, the Savior knew this. The Lord Jesus said, I'm going to teach them the greatest thing that they're ever going to take with them into this world. I'm going to show them one last thing before I go. He took off his robe, his identity, how people identified with him. And he showed the true self. And his true self was being a servant. And he showed them what life was all about. It was about serving. Daddies, you want to build your family well? Serve them. Serve your wife. Wife the same way. Serve your husband. Children, 
You want to be blessed, serve your parents. Parents, you want the respect of your children, serve them. Your bosses, serve them as unto the Lord, not because of them, not because you want a promotion. Just do it because it's what God called you to do. You can win your bosses to Jesus. Did you know that? Did you know how many of you know that you can win everyone that you're connected with to Jesus if you'll take on the form of a servant and begin to love them and stop disqualifying them because they're not like you or not like us or like anybody else. But Jesus died for everybody. He died for everybody and he wants us to serve and to give and to love and to see him do things. But the only way he's going to do it is that somebody has to take off the robe and let humility grab a hold of them. Will you stand to your feet here this Sunday morning and will you lift up your hands and just make this your prayer? Will you say, Jesus, just, just give me a servant's heart. Just let me be what you call me to be and help me understand what this whole thing's about. Teach me how to walk with you. If you're here in this place and you've never given your life to Jesus, will you make that happen right now? Because he's given you a promise. And just tell him, Lord, forgive me of my sins. God, I have served the world for too long. I have served the devil for too long. I have done it my way and served myself. But, Lord, I want to serve you. So, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I ask you, take my heart, take my life today. I want to give it to you, God. I want to be with you forever, and I want to live with you forever, and I want to serve you. I want to start serving you today, today, right now. If you're here and you've been serving God for a while, tell him to renew that spirit inside of you. Tell him to get rid of the greed. Tell him to get rid of the fear. Tell him to get rid of the reminiscing of the past and the residue of, of every tragic thing that has ever happened to you in your life. He's not to blame for any of it, but he wants to be the solution for a new way and a new path right now. God is here in this place and God desires to touch every single person here. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.